which has kind of been my driver and I know what wealth is and I know what kind of success is. Some drivers for success can be from insecurities and the need for kind of the materialistic things that come with success. And I think that starting a business is probably as far as you can push yourself because it's, it's literally stab in the dark and unknown every day. I set a firework off once in class, which went like, you know, one of those ones that goes pop, 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 pop. It's amplified and it's like, you're put in a room with somebody that you don't necessarily want to have to confront and have this conversation with that you would have otherwise probably avoided. Yeah, well, someone said it quite well the other day that I, I'd get paid to just be myself. I really loved her and lost her. Um, but it, and it was a slight sh shock, I guess had to sort of go through it all on TV. You couldn't really deal with it in the right way. Well, she could have just said thank you, and that would be nice and really my life for a few months. How, how can you go and cheat on her? Oh, God. Harvey, I tend to believe that people's childhoods reflect the person that they've become today. So I guess my first question for you is, what were you like growing up? Good question. Um, I was a terror. I know that. Mum said I cried all the time when I was young, like really, really young. They used to have to drive. Mum used to have to drive me around in the car. That was the only way it would put me to sleep. This is when I was like two, three, or maybe younger. Whenever you're, you know, a little crying kid, I don't actually know the age categories at the moment. But um, so I think I was a bit of a terror then, and then I calmed down. But I was a kid at school that was always like the naughty kid in the in the reports at the year end. And, um, parents day bit of a up to mischief but equally kind of got my head down and worked hard um so they kind of didn't have too much they could sort of say they couldn't kick me out because i was like getting the grades and but i was just being a bit of a class clown i guess um i grew up in australia so and i and my mum's from spain my dad's from australia so i've kind of grown up with quite a lot of like cult, like culturally different backgrounds and being quite open-minded I think from a young age I went to like seven schools in seven years so that kind of taught me like quite a lot of I guess ad like adapting to my surroundings and being able to kind of like I guess yeah blend in and, and get on with people um of all different sort of walks of life so um I think that has helped a lot and it's sort of why I'm now as an adult in that I yeah I kind of see things um from quite a kind of wide lens in that you know i always think the best of people and i understand where they're coming from and because i've like I've, I've kind of seen it all in a way if that makes sense um and i think i grew up in like nice privileged kind of communities but within that i've always been at the bottom ranks um which has kind of been my driver and i know what wealth is and i know what kind of success is um but i've never kind of I've always kind of been, I guess, at the, you know, seeing my mates get really nice cars for their 18th or, and they're like, you know, and then, but not myself, you know, get my dad's old beat up little, um, like Peugeot from what well, he's had for like 20 years, passed down sort of thing. So it's kind of been something that spurred me on as well, I think, from childhood to now. I did read a comment touching on the privilege thing on YouTube of a podcast that you did recently that said, Watching two white privileged men talk about their lives is actually ironic. What do you think about this? What do you think of that? Was that from the Matt Haycock? Yeah, it might have been. Or the Midnight one. Midnight one. Oh, yeah, that one. Well, was, yeah. Um, well, and someone commented, 
<laughs> what do I think of that? Um, it must have been a less privileged person who commented that. But I mean, there's so many you know, trolls and Karens out there. That, you know, you can't appease everyone. Um, there's always going to be someone with something to say. But I mean, I, yeah, I'm grateful for my upbringing. Um, and I think you know you can you can come from a privileged upbringing. It doesn't mean you are then destined to do well and be successful yourself. It can quite often be the opposite. You can be born like born into privilege. I'm not saying I'm from that. I've come from a modest background, but um, I think you know you can be born into privilege and you can just let it all slip and you can sort of be ungrateful and uh, I guess um, you can be um, you know complacent and not actually work for it yourself because it's all been given to you. Um, so it's not like, uh, yeah, I don't think that comment um, necessarily. I mean, is that comment trying to say, you know, two white privileged people, like, obviously they're. Mm. I don't think I've ever spoken about having a hard life, though. But I, I, yeah, I don't know what. Yeah. What, what were your parents like? Um, my parents were great. My mum is kind of a fiery, um, she's from Gibraltar, but sort of grew up in the south of Spain. Um, and she's just fiery, extrovert, um, sort of entrepreneur, really driven. Um, she kind of brought us up as a single mum from like 13, 14, um, and sort of just did it all her own. Worked, like, you know, worked and took care of us, which was always a big kind of inspiration and, and um driver for me you know seeing her do it and she works like silly hours a day um every day through the week she's um and that's amazing like to see sort of my mom and a woman do that um and sort of do it with such little complaints and then my dad was incredibly intelligent um sort of did law through university and then went into insurance um and again yeah just in yeah, incredibly incredibly intelligent but um kind of got deaf through his um sort of 30 onwards like progressively got more and more deaf which i think hindered his career a bit because he just couldn't you know be in board meetings and and, and hear what's going on and that was a bit of a bit of a hindrance but they are yeah both amazing amazing parents they sent you to boarding school didn't they yeah they didn't love me yeah sent me off at 13 <laughs> off you go mate get how, out. how did you cope with that um do you know what first like few months of or maybe not for first month like serious homesickness and like getting used to it like you because you, you haven't made your friends yet and you are you're young 13 away from home um so i cried a bit and missed mummy and all that but then after like a few weeks you know you kind of got comfortable you made a few minutes you actually it was the best years ever you just way with your friends and it teaches you independence from a really young age and i i, I really you know looking back I'm so glad, glad i did that yeah did you feel unloved when your parents sent you away <laughs> no. No, I didn't. I didn't think that was the reason. Actually, I think they were wanting, you know, a good education for me. So I, I felt loved. Um, yeah, and they put a lot into that. That was kind of my like support from them. You know, there's not much to fall back on in terms of thing. They they put. They were like, right, we're going to give you a good education. That's what. That's our investment in you. So no, I felt I felt loved because of that. I think one thing I believe that you mentioned is that most successful people have a, I wouldn't say a troubled background, but they're troublemakers when it's like in school or at a young age. You obviously mentioned that you were. Do you think that, do you think successful people are troubled? 
I think there's two types. Yeah. My take on it is that, you know, the, the, some drivers for success can be from insecurities and the need for kind of the materialistic things that come with success and, and to kind of fill a void that might be from trouble, troubled people. Um, whereas there's, I guess there's other sort of entrepreneurs and successful people that get their drive from kind of more genuine sources. Um, and that aren't so trying to sort of mend some broken, you know, some, some broken thing inside them. Um, so it's kind of there's two ways to look at it. Where did you get your entrepreneurial spirit from? I think it was partly from seeing wealth around me through my upbringing, but not really from a personal family level being of that wealth. So sort of seeing what is possible and almost being a bit like, you know, feeling a bit like, oh, why don't we have that? So I was like, I, you know, if you don't come from a wealthy family i make sure a wealthy family comes from you that's kind of been my like thing i want to provide i've seen my mum; she's such a generous person but she's always kind of going she's punching above her weight category trying to kind of appease her, her sons and you know everyone around her um and it brings her so much joy i know that's why she does it so i've just had this thing where i just want to provide like i just want to make sure she doesn't have to worry when she's retired that my brother um doesn't and my family around me that my wife i just want to like you know that's i think what it's been that you know just to eradicate any financial decision i don't want that being a factor in, in you know what i what i want to do in life i want it to be the most efficient most effective decision you know the most enjoyable decision that is the one that's done and there's no sort of price tag that comes with it and you know if my kid or my wife or my some family member needs to get to you know the best care because they're ill or something you know they, they do that and whether it's through private jet car bus or ferry that's the way they get there whatever's quickest and whatever's going to give them the best you know the best care that's kind of i think yeah i think well, i've got it through my mum partly um and just i think i'm just really competitive by nature and i think that's through through schooling i just i was very into my sport um you know always was at the top of that um i think when you you know you're young and you're just doing it and then i think you set a bit of a precedent like i was you know if i'm doing like i must continue this progression um and i just i think i yeah i don't feel comfortable in my comfort zone so i just always like to push myself and i think that starting a business is probably as far as you can push yourself because it's it's literally stab in the dark and unknown every day so you mentioned you have siblings i do how many? I have a brother, full brother, and I've got a half brother in Australia. So competitive with them. Um, so this is the thing. My brother is very different to me, um, and he's the same. He's ele- he's ten and a half months older than me. So like they call Irish twins, but he's he's effectively um, we were in the same year because when we moved to Spain, we went to Spanish school for like six months to learn Spanish, um, and he was a year above me. But then because he's he's a bit slower. Um, sort of academically he sort of struggles a bit with asperger's and like social um social bits dyspraxia um yeah so he's always kind of struggled through life a bit more and it's that's always been quite tough we're in the same year you know i I was in sort of the top sports like teams and the top kind of academic classes and he was sort of behind which made it really hard and that's another one of i guess my 
drivers is is sort of seeing like he, he got really badly bullied and stuff at school by like people i knew people that were my mates um and that's always like kind of made me want to be like right, i'm going to protect him and like provide for him as well um because it's sad so i'm I'm anti-competitive with him because i don't want to put like any of my accomplishments in his face i try and keep it complete like i don't even tell mom anymore what i'm up to like in terms of she didn't know that i passed my driving test or qualified as an accountant or and she just has to find out because i don't like this yeah the kind of comparisons between me and my brother did you stick by those friends who are bullying your brother no i had a word with them and like but this was this is back when you're like 13 14 15 like kids are kids and they're just like you know so mature and it was shock shock to me at the time is this at boarding school mm. really yeah because the, the perception is all these kids who go to boarding schools are really like posh well-behaved mature people is that is that not the case no there's little brats everywhere really yeah were you one of them i guess you were no no i, I was a troublemaker but not anyone not personal to people I, yeah. I hated bullying i saw what it did to my brother it really affected him um and yeah no i hate that but having a little fun and winding a teacher up like that <laughs> what's the worst thing you did as at school uh god I set a firework off once in class, which went like, you know, one of those ones that goes pop, 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 and like goes across the floor and everyone's like, like bringing their feet up like that. <laughs> I was like, whoops. Why? I don't know. Just, I mean, I was, I'm like ADHD. Like I got really, I just was really high energy at school. You're a Mario Balotelli fan? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not massively. Um, I, why, why? I don't know. I think I just like sitting stagnant in a class. I just sometimes got very like, want to do something. Did you get kicked out? I got kicked out of class quite often, yeah. Uh, but not school? They kept not, no, never, never expelled. You set a firework off in school and they kept you? Uh, it was a pretty, this was pre uh, boarding school um, in quite like a pretty relaxed, well, let's say there was a lot of troublemakers doing a lot worse things. Um, and yeah, no, yeah. I've, I haven't been expelled from the school actually. Did you always know you were going to be successful? I, yeah, I, I didn't know. Yeah, it was always, it was all, it's what I've always ever thought about. I've always ever thought I want to be, you know, I want to do what the majority haven't, and I want to be in that top, top, like 0.001% of sort of accomplished businessman i want to i don't know since i since i was young like i used to run around sort of putting my finger in phone booths like trying to look for money when i was like five six seven which i didn't even know why and i still don't really know why psychologically that is ingrained in me but yeah there's something i've always had as like a kind of yeah i don't know as a fueling my ambition one one thing you're you're most famous for is E4's Made in Chelsea. Would you say this is the thing that sort of put Harvey on the map? Well, from a from a kind of I guess awareness point of view, yeah, there, you know that's where I have a sort of public profile from. Um, I wouldn't have had that otherwise, but yeah, that's I've been on it for four years now, so it's definitely kind of you know people, people do recognise you and, and, and know you from that. Um, but that was always a sort of, that has been like a sort of tactical play to try and promote prime time and increase brand awareness and 
and try and break the industry with lim- like with less marketing um, spend than we would have otherwise had to because it's it's such a competitive landscape and these big businesses have so much marketing budget and really at the end of the day it is a marketing company you know to get your brand out there when it's on a shelf or in a pub next to sort of five to 50 other beers you need to just be shouting louder and shouting more effectively so yeah that was kind of the play behind it we'll talk about prime time in a minute it's a big chapter of course entrepreneurship and everything i i am curious are you allowed to promote prime time on um made in chelsea or not they there are restrictions um they are quite tight with it so you're allowed to in theory say one brand name and show the label once i think it's like an ofcom regulation per episode or i think per season Mm. so i yeah so i'm always trying to get like wear this on set or like primetime hats and stuff but they always go no harvey take it off take it off and i don't find so i've gone and got it tattooed on my wrist here so i talk like this on camera and then it's in shot so that's the only way i've been able to wangle it in but um no they are really supportive like they've done like launches oh i'm gonna have to cut that they've done launches um and they've sort of shown like the journey um and the big moments they followed on the show and uh, we just opened a bar restaurant as well called boha um and they've sort of followed the the whole pro- process of that from sort of break breaking down you know the first wall up until you know the opening and the red carpet event and like then we now film there so so they are really supportive but they're very they can be very tight um with what they can show so yeah i um but yeah, it's it's definitely a benefit. That leads on to my next question: How, how realistic is Made in Chelsea? Uh, <laughs> There's the smile. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> it is. It is. It is realistic. So everything it, that you see and that we do and say is is real. It's real emotions. It's really from a core kind of situation, event that happened. It's a real relationship, a real sort of betrayal or like someone fucking someone over. It's it's all stems from real stuff because we're not actors and like we we sit there for about a couple hours like having these conversations there's no way we can learn a script that long back and forth and like it it's just it's what it is is it's it's amplified and it's like you're put in a room with somebody that you don't necessarily want to have to confront and have this conversation with that you would have otherwise probably avoided and you're kind of you know told to be there and and deal with it properly and on camera so you kind of do think you know it's all it's it's just it's capturing the drama that would otherwise have happened off camera or like in the normal course of everybody's lives that we all live we all have drama in our lives or you know or it would never happen and they kind of make it happen so it's a bit but when the camera's there things change surely i think people play up maybe yeah yeah do you no no, I've never, no, I, I actually close down a bit when the cameras are on. I actually kind of get a bit like, you know, I'm conscious of them. Um, but no, I've never really, I've never kind of gone out of my, like, I've never veered from sort of what I think is morally right or my real opinions in the four years I've been on. I've just gone with what's what. How do, how do, how do you deal with like your life, everything around you being exposed? to the public mm, it's tough i one don't watch it back do you not no do they do do screenings back like before they go out they do we actually have a screening 
on Wednesday for this new season coming up. Um, so they do that like the first the first um, episode of, of the season just to get everyone together. Um, but I, yeah, I don't I don't look back and watch it because for me, one you're reliving the past. It's you know you filmed it a few months ago and and it's like why why relive it? And two, like you do watch it and go, oh, God, I look like a twat. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, there's, there's nothing you can do at that point if they like if the edit goes against you or whatever you're just like no i'm not i'm not i'm not putting myself back through that um and it's just i'm i'm busy to find another hour of the week to to be looking at that so i don't do that so it's kind of like outside out of mind um you definitely then get people in public who recognize you but to date it's been mostly positive it's just like hey mate like love you on the show you know can i get a picture um so yeah it's fine i think I, I went through a bad breakup which was very we'll public. talk about that in a minute. oh that, that's on, on the that's note the the oh, no. one. the emily one <laughs> yeah yeah that, that's on the list mm. of of juicy because it's <laughs> another bit I, I was i was mentioning it to my partner before i'm, go, I'm like i'm gonna ask him why he uh, did it but oh, um but yeah what, what, so you're very busy what does your your schedule look like so you're still filming aren't you so how does that work um, yes. So we're filming all year, pretty much. Um, we've had four seasons through the year. So we've got, so it's really, there's no sort of structured week. It's just like weekends are the same as weekdays, really. Um, so yeah, we're filming basically January till December. Um, and it's really dependent on how involved you are. So you can be filming like four or five times an episode. Like, let's put it more simply. So you, you can film probably like three, four, four times a week if you're really involved or like sort of one, two, if you're kind of lesser involved. Is that a you choice? It's kind of like dependent on, on how involved you are in the kind of drama at the time. And it goes in, you know, peaks and troughs because, you know. Um, so it's a, yeah. So my days, my weeks, my months are a blend of, of filming um, to that extent, sort of maybe 20, 30 hours a week. Um, Prime time is the main focus and it's the main kind of time um, sucker. Um, obviously, Instagram, there's a bit of sort of revenue streams from Instagram, but I've kind of, with the growth of prime time and focusing there, I've kind of gone sort of away from the promotional stuff on Instagram as much. I only really now work with brands that I really like, truly kind of align with and I think can add value to what I'm doing. Um, and and yeah, and we're sort of building prime time, sort of versus integrating it. So we've got two bar restaurant benches as well. So we've opened Urban Oasis in um, Wandsworth, which is like a cool kind of outdoor um, bar uh, and kind of like active space. It's got like paddle courts and ping pong, beer pong. It's like in this big tent. Um, so that, and then also kind of a high end restaurant in um, Chelsea called Boha. Um, so like high vib high and vibrant dining. So like you sort of eat and it's it's quite Is that yours? Yeah. Along with some partners. Um and a speakeasy cocktail bar downstairs. And that's kind of the home of prime time because that's where our offices are there. So Is that open now? Yeah, we open a few weeks here. Mm. We'll have to go to that. You'll have to come down. <laughs> we'll have to. Yeah. Well, we'll what sort of out. food did you say? It's British Irish fusion. So it's lovely steaks, lovely chicken, lovely fish, all sorts from Tav Island, grass-fed wagyu beef, um, lovely scallops, lovely um, oysters. Or yeah, it's, it's it's everything my partner likes. Yeah, yeah. we'll go. <laughs> well, I, I did a Q and A 
um, we've got a channel on, on Instagram. I did a little Q&A. The, the most asked question, I don't know how much you can share of this, is how much do you get paid for Made in Chelsea? Um, yeah, I don't know how much I can share. I should be careful. You don't, you don't have to say a number. You can do in between. Yeah, yeah, no. I, look, it's, it's not a lot to start. Um, and I think in a way, it's kind of like a probationary period. It's like, do, do, are you going to be like a lasting character on the show? So the first season, it's just not a lot. Um, 20 grand under? If you extrapolated it for the year, it'd be under that, yeah. Um, and then it goes up like any career path does in any job role. Um, as you kind of go through the seasons and you become, you know, you earn your stripes. Um, and then I think it gets to a point where it's like an all right, it's an all right side. What's the maximum you could earn? Side thing. <laughs> I think if you were on the top rate and you, and you were filming like as much as you could throughout the whole year and it was a full kind of packed year, like just over 60, 70 maybe. Really? Not, not millions that people would probably. It's not. No, no, no. Assume. It's not. Well, but, but I mean, the theory it, is that it you use it for your promotion. Develops a platform, yeah. through social media, which then you should be earning more from. Yeah. But the times have changed in that you, the Instagram saturated market now. You've got all these Love Islanders, all these other reality TV shows. Like the following game that you used to get just doesn't exist. Like, um, eleven, twelve years ago, when Main Chelsea started, you'd be on it for a few seasons and you might spike a couple hundred thousand followers. Now I've been on for four years. I'm on 104,000. Come on, guys, follow me. Yeah, f follow. Follow me, <laughs> Follow. <laughs> but it's definitely it's saturated. Um, so you don't then get that same earning potential that once that once kind of, I guess, balanced out the quite like you know modest pay from the show itself. But you can utilize on your platform. You can, yeah. And I and I start, you know my big value add is that I promote my businesses for it, um, and that for me is you know is the focus so is your business your biggest earner then in your career at the moment uh, on paper i don't pay i don't pull much salary from it because i don't you know i don't want to um still have sort of found a salary and all of that um but it's doing well yeah in, in terms of the xc growth amazing do you enjoy filming with made in chelsea I always compare it to my previous job, which was accounting. Um, really? Yeah. So I was a PwC, qualified there as an accountant. And compared to sitting at a desk for 10 hours a day, doing mundane tasks for the man, yeah, it's it, I do enjoy it. Sometimes it can get really sort of draining and, and taxing the emotional side, you know, when things are going bad. Um, but, which we will talk about in a minute. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But overall, it's very... He's it, excited. It, there are worse jobs, for sure. You, know, yeah. you, you are there with your friends, sometimes your enemies, but... People will look at you and think you have, like, the best job in the world. You just get to chat shit on telly and get paid for it. Yeah, well, someone said it quite well the other day, and I, I get paid to just be myself on uh, TV. It's just like, really? all right. Yeah, <laughs> you're living <laughs> your life. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, there, but there, then there is that, you know, that question you asked earlier of, is it tough, you know, exposing your life to the public? And like a lot of people wouldn't want that and wouldn't sort of be. Yeah, they can do. Yeah. Mm. Oh, they, well, they'll ask you. They don't just sort of appear, you know, get catch in the shower in the morning. But yeah, they do like to film in the houses because it's just, you know, real. Mm. 
Amazing. So I was reading an article that said that said Made in Chelsea star Harvey Armstrong says break from Emily Blackwell was a dark time. Why? Um, oh, a lot of reasons. I think I really loved her and lost her. Um, but it and it was a slight sh shock. I guess I had to sort of go through it all on TV. You couldn't really deal with it in the right way. Um, because once it's on TV, like you're not just dealing with your own opinion and emotions. You've almost you're almost influenced by what other people are going to think. It's like principles setting, and you're like, right, you know, how could I ever, I guess, excuse anything or or, or like go back to normal when I've got a million people saying, oh, I'd be a mug. Do you know what I mean? Like you kind of, it's, it's definitely completely changes the dynamic of any situation being played out through TV. So it just got, yeah, it was just, you know, just shit time. I think it'd been shit that situation for, for anyone then later on with being on TV and having to kind of like live it all through that. It was just a tough one. But you, but you did cheat on her. Yeah. So do you, do you think you deserve the backlash you got? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it was, yeah, completely. And I was not expecting it. I knew it was coming. Um, but I bet the producers liked it. Oh, mate, they loved it. <laughs> the money shot. It was like, the, it was, yeah, they loved it. But, but you said... They were all there that day, just like eating popcorn game. But you say you loved her. How, how can you go and cheat on her? It was, it was a subconscious, like, basically she was really, really wanting children, marriage. She was get kind of on a different path to me, a def definitely different time scale. Um, and was quite kind of, she was making quite obvious that she wanted to sort of to progress to, to that stage very soon. Not like that day, but like kept, you know, looking at photos every day and be like, oh look, so-and-so's got engaged. Oh look, so-and-so's pregnant. I'd be like, yeah, like great. Like, so, like but I, I was on this different path. Like I want to build this business. I like, and now I've got, and I've got another five years where I just can't can't really have that responsibility and that kind of tie down and I'm doing it because I want to build like a supportive network and a financial stable kind of base for a family and I always told her that but I don't know she kind of didn't see it she didn't really get what I was trying to do she didn't get like the late nights and um and yeah and we just weren't aligning on that and I think subconsciously I was like this is I need to get out and I just did it in the in the wrong way what would you do different? I'd have just been open, communicate, just being like, look, we're not, you know, we're not on the right path here together. So let's just leave it here. You know, it's an easy, well, it's not an easy conversation. It's a horribly hard conversation, but a lot easier than the alternative in terms of pain caused. Do you think you can cheat on someone if you do truly love them then? I think, no, I think I was coming out of that true love, given that things, you know, right girl, wrong time. Sadly, she was definitely like an amazing girl, and we were fully in love. Like, to, um, like a point I didn't even know I had in me because I'm not like a hugely emotional guy, and it was never my focus to to be in a relationship. But then, yeah, just things changed. Like, I was like, she was, you know, really pushing for wanting kids and marriage and settling, and just that whole thing. I was like, I just don't see that in my sort of near future. So when that came out, what was the impact that it had on you? Mm. 
What was the impact? It wasn't. It wasn't. Was this when Twitter was quite a big thing? Was see, I don't. I don't look at Twitter. I'm quite good at not looking at. So I didn't see a huge amount of like. The press didn't like it though. The press. I, I've had read the. I've say. read the papers. <laughs> the, the see, I probably haven't even read that. Really? I just was like, well, I don't need. I just like whatever. It's happened. Like, you, I you, dealt with it three months ago, so I was just like, yeah, I, I don't. There was a bit of. There's a few comments that come up on Instagram that you can't avoid seeing and like a few bits. I knew that, you know, the show was on air and people probably hated me hard. You hid from it. I just blocked it out. Yeah. Yeah. Because you knew you fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you knew you <laughs> fucked up. To, to put it bluntly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was hardly on my duvet for a few months. Did that impact your business or, or anything else in your life? Um, I don't think detrimentally, no. Um, no, no, I don't think it did. No, Harvey, I just wanted to ask you. Emily came out to a number of tabloids and said that she's much happier. She said that she's super happy that you cheated on her because now she's much happier in her life with someone else. How do you how do you feel about that? Um, well, she feels good. <laughs> she ruined, um, ruined your life. No, say but... yes for the clickbait say yes say yes <laughs> no it was just you know <laughs> she 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 made sure i knew about it and you know i wasn't getting off lightly kind of thing but she um i'm no i'm that that's i'm happy for her that she's found someone that it was exactly what i couldn't give her it was that one like the, and the guy's older he's ready for that sort of set, settling period he's accomplished more in business he is ready to support a family and kids and that's what emily wanted um, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy for her for that sake. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah. You also dated Sophie, didn't you? Sophie did. Taboo. Yeah, who Taboo, ended yeah. up with... Taboo. Taboo. <laughs> Taboo, yeah. Uh, who ended up Taboo. with uh, Jamie yeah. Lang. You haven't been on their podcast yet. No. You've been invited? No. You don't think you will? I don't think so. What happened there? We went out through university, Sophie and I, um, for four years. And then, yeah, she actually, we ended when she went on the show. Um, so I was asked when I left university to go on the show. So when I was still doing my accounting qualification um, with a friend and it wasn't the right. Well, I, I assessed the opportunity because I was curious. I'd come out of university. I used to watch it there. I was like, oh, yeah. So, you know, what do they get paid? First question. Um, can I balance it with my accounting job? Um, so I went for the interviews and through that process, they asked me, you know, what do you like about this girl? What do you, you know, how how are you on dates? What's your type of girl? Um, and I said, oh, I've got a girlfriend. Like, you know, not really dating. I don't really. Um, and then introduced him to Sophie. And then ultimately, I made the decision. I can't do it. Like, it doesn't work with my accounting. Um, yeah, progression at the moment and what I'm doing. Uh, and then she broke up with me and went on it within a week. So that's that. I forgot to ask you, how did you get on the show? Did they invite you on? And then, well, that was then. Yeah. And then off the back of Sophie then being on the show and having all these connections with the current guys on there and then kind of, we were still kind of back and forth a bit off camera. Um, They just were like, who's this boyfriend? Like, we need to get the ex-boyfriend on. And they were like, just asking me, asking me, asking me. But I was still doing my accounting. And then when I, I started primetime, it then became um yeah it then became 
Sorry. Um, yeah, it then became um, a kind of more sensible decision and one that was actually going to kind of, yeah, work with what I was doing at the time. Mm. So that's kind of how it all happened. Two years down from, yeah, two years later from when I first got asked, pushing it back. One thing I just wanted to ask you is I imagine you're quite popular with the women, especially the women who watch the show. Would you ever date a fan or some, or what I would describe as a normal girl? Normal person. Well, we Which maybe normal. I shouldn't say. But. <laughs> We're aliens. Uh, I would, yeah. I'd prefer to date a normal girl. Um, someone not in the public eye. Is that what you mean by normal? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll for sure. Um, yeah. I've always seen my girlfriend as being kind of a real accomplished girl in finance for some reason. But I'd prefer that than another fellow reality TV person. Um are you not worried that they'll be using you for who you are? I think that's quite transparent. You can you can you can tell a fan girl from a normal girl, um, and it, most likely that normal girl that I would like wouldn't even know that I'm on the show or know what the show is or have watched it. It's but the fan girl you wouldn't will, date a fan will, girl. No, well, no, not if they were like proper. If they were like I, I really like you on the show. And I, I know you from that, and da da da. Then fine, because they're just like being open, and we'll see. But <laughs> probably more so than going out with one, yeah. Just because, yeah, less. Uh, not to my knowledge of like, you know, because the other what I was going to say is most of them play it like pretend that they don't know who you are, and um, and then slowly, you you kind of you can kind of pick pick holes in their in their front and you're like oh, I know, I'm on Tina. that is that I wouldn't I don't like that so let's so let's go on to prime time lager which is in front of us very tasty I don't actually like lager but this is very my, my partner said it's very what was the word light, light. very light very very girly. Girly. But but that's a good thing. It's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because lager's too strong. Exactly. I wanted to sort of transitioning over from what we just spoke about to this. My first question on this topic is, can you have a girlfriend while you're trying to build a business? If it's the right girlfriend. Yeah. If she's aware and she's bought into what you're trying to do and your vision. I think if she's not slowing you down, then great. As, like, if you can find the right one that like you know only enhances what you're trying to do and supportive of it or doing it herself and just you know inspires you and makes you want to work harder and then yeah but i think one that is kind of not seeing that and you know getting to let's do dinner tonight and dinner tomorrow night and like well come to bed now it's 10 o'clock like you know you need to stop working and isn't like oh, no, let me cook you dinner and help you or she's out working herself and like that has that same hustle and drive then yeah, I think if you can find that and like that girl, like, you know, and that's what I'm looking for. So I've kind of said like after Emily, I don't have the capacity for it unless the girl's going to really add value to my what I'm trying to do with business. Have you got a girlfriend at the moment? Seeing anyone? No. That will make a lot of girls happy <laughs> watching this. I, I, I saw, I, I saw, um, I think it was a YouTube comment going, "Oh my God, Harvey, he's so hot." Uh, that's <laughs> so, better than the other comment of the. Well, yeah, privilege. yeah, we've got to throw a nice <laughs> yeah. Com yeah, comment come in there. That'll back. make him happy. But why no girl? Um, 
I think I am. It's because I realized how much I hurt Emily and selfish or selfishly then. And I guess selflessly now, I don't want to commit to a girl knowing that I don't have the capacity to, to be the right, like a good enough boyfriend and to be there as much as I know they're going to want and to have time for date nights every week and to, you know, I'm just not, I'm just, I'm just not in that position. So I've just kind of been like, look, I'm, I've got a few more years of this. Um, and then I think I'll be in a position where I've, I'm now ready. Like I want to be at that point where I've compartmentalized my sort of financial, like empire building part of my life so that I can be kind of fully committed and fully, you know, present when I have children and I have a, a, a wife or a girlfriend into a wife so I can be there like fully and not kind of some half like hearted like relationship or half hearted dad where he's still like thinking about work 24 seven. I want to like get that part of the way. Are you still hooking up with people, sleeping with people? I'm still, yeah, I'm still having, I'm still going out and yeah. But I'm just not getting deep with anything or committed with anything just because I don't, just don't, I don't have it in me at the moment. Doesn't that take up a lot of your time? Um, what the sleeping with someone, having to cook them breakfast in the morning, <laughs> and then sending them on their way? No, I mean I'm I go out with my work, so you know I'm, we're always doing events and promotions and stuff. So it's 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 in the normal course of business, really. Oh, it's business promotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. marketing. Yeah, <laughs> you leave a bottle of um prime time on the the side of the bed in the morning, and then yeah, it's a great great breakfast. Champions is breakfast. What were the sacrifices you had to make to start your business? Because you started before Made in Chelsea, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all the sacrifices. Well, I left behind a, my financial career. That was a big risk. That was the first kind of, I guess, step starting it. I had to kind of decide, do I want to continue this kind of accounting career path I'm on into finance? I was looking to sort of move to investment bank and corporate finance, something a bit kind of more commercially focused within finance, the financial kind of, you know, umbrella. Um, or do I do this massive pivot into really going full throttle with prime time, which I kind of had on the conceptually like building up um, and then taking a punt on reality TV. So like it's two very different extremes. I was like create a stable, you know, quite um, straight and narrow financial career path or high risk entrepreneur route and fully exposed on public TV route. Um, so that was that was probably a sacrifice in a way, like a big decision which could have gone wrong. Um, and then just, I, I, yeah, then it's just you know sacrificing social life, sacrificing you know weekends, sacrificing holidays. I've been on holiday for two years. No, um, no, apart from home for Christmas that sort of thing, but I've got my laptop with me and I'm working sort of thing. So yeah, I guess, and you're sacrificing like comfort, you know, it's like every day is like, it, it's high pressure and it's like, what's next? We need more, like move quicker. Like, you know, the to-do list just gets longer and you just, you know, builds, it builds pressure on the shoulders and it, yeah, but I, I kind of like it. <laughs> If it went wrong, did you have your parents to fall back on? No. 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 They wouldn't support you. Are they 
try. I know they'd love to try, but I don't think there'd be enough support there to. But depends how bad it went, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 I mean, they do it, and they'll be there for me, like, by sort of emotionally um, and physically, but financially, there's there's not a huge amount of support that would be there. Yeah. Well, one thing I get asked quite a lot are people, are mainly from people in college and university. They say they want to leave they want to start a business they want to take this risk they want to do something exciting but their parents won't let them what are your thoughts on that because for me i don't believe you need education to be successful Mm. did you go to university no i i left school when i was 14 really yeah i went and worked on my dad's building site and and loved it and you're only 25 25 yeah so i worked on my dad's building site then things went wrong i went back into a care home in moss side in manchester um got a job at a lettuce factory so I got to drive. It's quite a racist place, actually. I got to drive around all these foreign Romanian immigrants on tractors cutting up lettuce. So it was a great job. I had the best time. Yeah. But but yeah, I, I I think I've done quite well for myself. Yeah. And now is you you've got the podcast. You got my my agency. Yeah. Got a semi professional referee. So I've got things going for me. So I don't believe for football. Need, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. So That's I do fun. like national league. That's it. Yeah, so I don't believe you need education. I, if I was to go back, I wouldn't do university again. I'd gone straight into into industry, into work for sure. Um, I think it really depends what you're trying to do. I think if you're trying to be like a profession, like a doctor, uh, accountant, uh, what else is a profession? Whatever, a lawyer. Exactly. I think you do systematically. You do. This is the way it's all structured, but. I think if you want to be an entrepreneur, hundred percent not. I would have, I probably would have skipped school if I could have. Um, and I, it was with hindsight, so I think I'll probably ed- definitely educate my kids on that. And, you know, being like being creatively free to do what they want and what they feels right. Support that. I'm not sort of going to be the one. He's thinking about kids now, Emily. So <laughs> different, different time. My kids in ten years. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Take me back. <laughs> <laughs> are you glad you made the risk yeah 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 definitely and it's only recently i've looked back and gone okay i'm now in a better position than i would otherwise have been if i just continue that career path back in finance and that's you know four or five years in so it's been it's been a it's high risk decision what was the first year of your business journey like because for me I, I was like living on porridge oats and had to sacrifice so much like I couldn't afford hardly anything I had to live in like a converted garage it was like that bad yeah. now it's paid off now I can see the benefits but but then I had to sacrifice so much what was your journey first first year like so I was being very careful and considered because I was trying to save as much as I could to start the business um but I guess one of my tactics was the reason I went on Main Chelsea was one to promote the brand, but two to have a part-time income. Well, an income while working part-time to allow myself to have enough time to start the business and keep my head above water. And you know, there was a bit of an income there, so I managed to have that to keep myself, you know, above water and and kind of continue as I was. Um, while kind of putting everything I could in, into the business and, and starting it, and I kind of brought it up to a up to kind of a, a product um, 
in hand and just sort of proof of concept and test the market and then we raised investment um and that's that was kind of six seven months into the journey of launching the product but there was years there was like two years before like developing the recipes and formulas and 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 getting you know the branding right and the kind of all the infrastructure um and making sure you know we were ready to launch to market and then um yeah and then we kind of six seven months in proved that you know it was selling really well people loved it there's you know, clear consumer need here for it and then we raised money off the back of that um and then that's kind of when it became a bit more real some people will look at you and think oh he got a bit lucky with this made in chelsea gig that allowed him to promote his business i've got none none of this i can't promote my product do you think that's true do you think you need a platform to be able to promote your product or no no i don't think so i think it's just an added benefit um you know you can find it through other routes you can have a really effective digital marketing like campaign um you can go and out and do some creative guerrilla marketing you can but it's for me i it's just another string to the bow of prime time um so it's not the be all and end all but it definitely helps so for me i'm a true believer in storytelling i I believe to grow anything a brand podcast anything you have to be a good storyteller you have to have a background do do you agree with this yeah massively yeah do you share your story quite a lot yeah yeah how um i guess the story of prime time is is really it's better living. It's it's trying to it's trying to give people an option, a better for you beer option. So we 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 tell it as storytelling. Yeah, I think yeah, if you can tell an effective story, it's it's definitely really powerful. Um, we yeah, prime time really is about solving the conflicting love triangle between fitness, having a good time, and beer. Beer traditionally is very well it's a stagnated market it's it's very traditional and that it's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years um and by default it's 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 very high in carbs high in calories it's makes you quite lethargic quite sluggish bloats you um and it's conflicting to being into your sports and fitness and, and wanting to keep in shape and being out and having a good time with your mates without feeling guilty that you're consuming so many needless calories and carbs so prime time really is about helping you live in your prime and that's kind of what where the name comes from living your best life and living in your best shape um while enjoying the good times which really are being out at the pub with your mates like i i kind of always say there's that i'm and i'm quite an overactive kind of like i have an overactive mind and i'm always thinking about what's next and the past and you know but um there's, there's no time i'm more present when i'm sat at the pub having a few beers with my closest mates that's like that's that's what my prime time um, so it's kind of just trying to capture that um, and and build it out through a brand. And it's not just a beer product. It's, we're trying to create a lifestyle brand of living your better life. You know, work hard, play hard to an extent, um, and enjoy. You know, live life to your fullest and enjoy the good times. And and yeah, that's kind of it. I had a multi-millionaire come on the podcast uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, who said goals, business goals, are just dreams. Do you agree? Business goals are just dreams. Business goals are just dreams. Well, I don't know what he means by that. I think what he was trying to say is, so you could have a goal of being a millionaire. That's a goal, but it's also a dream. Most goals are unrealistic. Most, not all, but most. Well, I think that seems quite like a negative outlook on it to me. Really? Yeah. What do you think? Well, most goals are just dreams. One, 
I agreed with him. I you, thought. I, I thought. I thought so. I think you got a dream. I feel like some of the goals you can set can feel like dreams because they're so far fetched. But if you set that goal, that's your first step to actually achieving it. And it shouldn't, you know. And and, and seeing what people are doing out in the world, like Elon Musk's, the Mark Zuckerberg's, the in all other like nothing is unachievable. Like if you, unless you're setting a goal to be richer than well, you know, than them. But I think, I think, yeah, I, I disagree with that. I think, yeah, I respect that opinion. That's quite, that's yeah. quite a different. I don't, I didn't think of it like that. But I think a goal, yeah, it's a, it's a dream to start, and the goal is the, is I guess the top of that dream. It's the metric that you're putting in place to make that dream a reality, and it's then achievable if you set it as a goal. And then a dream becomes reality. Like I've set goals in the past, which I've now achieved, which I thought were far fetched in a dream. I think our exit plan is pretty far fetched in a dream, but I'm going to make it happen. What is your exit plan? We want to exit for 250 million. Um, You've got a year in mind. Yeah, sort of four to seven years from now. It's, yeah, but, and that, that's just, that is me putting a target in my head, something to like visualize, something to kind of always have as a, as a goal, maybe a dream, a dream for now, but there's a goal there and I'll, find, and I'll get there. Hopefully. One thing I'm a big, big believer in is choosing the right business partner. I have had my fair share of shit business partners who have held the business back. They've pulled me down, the brand down. Luckily now I found the right one, one who's amazing. Mm. What are your thoughts on this? I imagine yeah, I I think it's it's so key to have a good business partner, um, and co-founder, and I'm I'm very lucky to have that, uh, and I don't think I could have done it without him, because there's so many sleepless nights, stressful moments, that if you just didn't have that sounding board, that kind of go-to support, it become very very lonely, and also just yeah, I think sort of very hard to cope with those levels of stress sometimes if you haven't got someone who's kind of halving it with you, um. Yeah, and I think it's better. I think it's very hard to find like a perfectly aligned business partner. That you know, I, I'm I'm very lucky to have that. But yeah. Have you got a team around you yet? You built a team. Yeah, we're now eight of us. How important is that? It's yeah, cultural fit for us is is massive. Um, you know, we said Sam and I. Sam's my business partner. Um, we said from the beginning we want to create a family. We want. We want this to be a fun journey. We want everybody who joins us to just enjoy every step of it, to not feel like work. Um, and that's what we've created. Like people love it. Um, the team loves it. We're all like, we all come into the office. It's not obliged, but we're all there every day, like Monday, Friday, not every day. We don't work them that hard. Monday, Friday. <laughs> um, and we, yeah, and everyone loves the brand and and just uh, just gets on. They go on nights out together. They, you know, they chill socially together outside work and. It's just, yeah, we've created a really, really nice community and culture, which I think is massively key. Have you had to fire anyone yet? A couple, yeah. How do you deal with that? I I, I try and get Hector, my business partner, to do it. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't. I love hiring. Hiring, I'm good at. Like choosing the right people who, who fit up. Yeah, hiring's a nice part because you see the joy in their eyes. Hiring's like, I've had to so fire hard. one person. It was the worst thing I've ever done. I think I found from... From my experience, the they're kind of aware. It gets to the point where 
like they know that they're not performing and they kind of lose i guess like motivation and want to be there and you you know the conversation that's about to be had is, is quite clear so it's kind of like you know over here um yeah but it's not enjoyable I don't like it don't want to ever have to do it again i need to get my hiring better so it doesn't have to do it again do you know what, I mean? what have you fired for just lack of performance Amazing. So I'm curious, what's the next chapter for Harvey Armstrong? Oof, next chapter. I think I'm in the middle of this big chapter and it's building prime time. You don't um, think there'll be another one yet? No, no, not for the foreseeable. There's, there's enough. Within that, we're, we're, we're tapping into hospitality and we're looking to sort of expand our retail footprint. So sort of looking into prime time pub group. Um, where we're wanting to basically build what Primetime is conceptually as a brand um, into the kind of the hospitality space. So a better for you, fun um, pub experience, a bit more innovative, a bit more modernized, um, but still kind of holding that traditional value of, of what a pub is and why us Brits love pubs, but kind of bringing in better for you drinks, you know, healthier menus um, and tapping into that kind of health conscious consumer need. Um, so that's, part of the next chapter um and um yeah we're off to australia filming um for main chelsea in a few weeks so that's and that's back to my roots i grew up there um and we're kind of looking to expand there in america so there's a few conversations going there um so i'm going to kind of explore the market out there and yeah, i don't know what are you doing out in australia uh, i mean are you, are you there on a holiday sort of thing is that is that how it works well as in from the show's perspective, yeah, it's like we're going out, out to, yeah, to see Australia. and You've done Cornwall, haven't you? Cornwall? Yeah. Or Corsica? <laughs> we I have thought been I down... Cornwall. No, but... we've been down to Cornwall before, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we will have done um, yeah, yeah. for like a weekend away. Did you like something. it? I love Cornwall. It's great. Yeah, Where, whereabouts did you go? Oh, I can't remember. I can't lie to you. We were, I don't think we're on the coast. We're just in a house, sort of like down. I'm trying to get my partner to go. She she says it's in the middle of nowhere and and too scared to go down there. But I, I think it's beautiful. I think it's one of the most beautiful places in in, in England. It's beautiful, especially when, like over summer still about. And you can yeah, get down to the coast. Same lives and yes. Yeah, um, do you surf? Yeah, yeah. Not like sort of consistently, but I grew up surfing in Australia, and then whenever I'm by the coast and there's opportunity to surf, I'll I'll get up get crack on but mm. oh, Harvey you've brought some drinks along today what are they they're very nice I have I have tried this one the primetime premium lager yeah best lager I've tasted I hate lager great. I actually great hate review. lager but this this tastes so good <laughs> thank you so we, we've actually just won a silver award for this in the global beer masters wow. um, judged as your standard lager so sort of full calorie full carb not gluten-free, just a, just a straight lager, blind taste tested. Um, but they are basically better for you beers. So low calorie, it's a third of the calories, two thirds less carbs, gluten-free and vegan and still 4.2%. So that's kind of what we're trying to do is provide a beer that you can still enjoy, you know, the the alcohol side, which is what people have it for to, you know, loosen up, have a laugh with their mates, have a jolly, um, but sort of reducing all the unnecessaries, removing all the unnecessary calories, carbs, and gluten um, free because it's, so many people are gluten intolerant or celiac at the moment. Um, and there aren't many good gluten free beers on the market. Um, and then we've got our caffeine infused one. So, same.
concept, low calorie, low carb, gluten free, but we infuse it with caffeine with a sort of lightly infused. So it's got 50 milligrams per can. So it's about equivalent of half an espresso. I didn't try that one. Am I Would you like to? Uh, yeah, can I try it? Yeah, please. So, okay. Yeah. I hope it's good. That one's just won a gold award for taste. So that's beating this one in terms of taste in, in the global beer market. So again, just um, which we were shocked by because it's judged as a standard lager. That one's uh, that's a good afternoon beer when you've got the day ahead of you. That is good. Crack on. That is that's my, good. I prefer that one. Caffeine infused. Yeah. That'll give me a kick. Okay, yeah, in the morning. That's yeah. good. Yeah, How did you, you design these res- uh, these recipes? So we worked with brewing partners um, who have had experience in low-calorie brewing before. The caffeine-infused one was a bit more, no one's done it. So we kind of did more like R&D, like with a research lab, um, guys in lab coats, and had to sort of tweak and trial and error there, how we could get the caffeine to kind of sit in the beer, um, not kind of detract from the taste, not kind of fall to the bottom and be soluble, all these little things. Um, so that was kind of what, yeah, a good good two years of sort of refining development, making beers that first and foremost taste great. Because as a beer lover myself, you know you're not going to compromise the beer drinking experience. Everyone drinks a beer for that clean, cold, refreshing. I never drink beer. I genuinely would buy that. Would you? Genuinely, I'm oh, not. Great. I'm not just saying it. Like I'm a cider guy. I'm from, I'm from Devon, mm-hmm. so that's all we we know. Our apples and and whatnot. And that is the best lager I've tasted. I've I've been trying to try more lager but I, I just can't and i genuinely really like that Great. Th- this this yeah. one is my favorite yeah like 100 percent. this one's brilliant and the design is perfect did you come up with this um prime time was actually sam prime i think prime was sam's idea my business partner and then kind of developed prime time together and then yeah my a good mate of mine actually designed the logo um, we went through multiple design agencies. That was one of our biggest costs at the beginning, trying to find it just wasn't getting right. And then our one design thing in our design brief, Sam and I, was whatever the logo is, it's got to be cool enough that we want it tattooed on us. And I've got it tattooed here in business, and Sam's got it tattooed here. That was kind of what we said. We just want a cool logo. And prime time's just an easy bar call. Um, you know, it's got to be, like, memorable. You can just say it at the bar and say it again. And, like, like some crazy beer names out there now um so yeah and then we just wanted a kind of like nice i guess vibrant color that just, i guess insinuated like fun enjoyment living better it's hard it's really hard to kind of try and balance everything you're trying to say through you know graphics and color but we're still refining as we go so Harvey, we have a closing tradition on this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's one question, three answers, quick fire. So, but most of our guests have taken a bit of time to do it. So hopefully you can do it quickly. Mm-hmm. What three things are you grateful for right now? I'm grateful for oh, okay. I'm most grateful of our for my family. Take time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grateful for my family. Um, they're so supportive. I've got an amazing family back in Spain and Australia. Um I am grateful for my, I'm, I'm grateful for London and it's sort of an entrepreneurial landscape and the people that I am around. There's so many amazing entrepreneurs and, and, and founders and co-founders that just kind of inspire you and are helping make my dream a reality. Um, 
I'm grateful just to be alive. I'm just I'm just enjoying every step of it, I guess. Yeah. Well, Harvey, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, mate. I've really enjoyed that. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. No, pleasure.